God, before us, God, beside us, God, behind us, God, above us, be also now between us, a bridge through which your truth may move. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Seated. Well, let's make a deal. What do you say? Y'all remember the show, game show, and they've remade it. They remake all the good game shows. The show from the 60s and 70s with Monty Hall, and they would come on, and you'd have somebody that would be dressed up in this crazy costume, and they'd be overly excited and come bouncing up to the aisle, and be almost so excited they couldn't talk. And um, the announcer, Jay Stewart, called it the marketplace of America. It was you know, nuts and crazy. And so you'd get a prize. And it was usually, and sometimes it was a good prize, but a lot of times it was, it was like a can of turtle wax or something. <laughs> Which is, a, you know, it's fine. It's a good prize. It saves you from having to go to Walgreens and buy it. But it's not what you travel to California to be on a game show to get. So you might get the turtle wax, and then they would say, okay, you can also choose between these three curtains or these three doors. And so you're kind of gambling that it's going to be something really nice, right? I mean, oftentimes it was a new car or something great. But sometimes you would get what they called zonked, which means that you not only didn't get your turtle wax, you got nothing, right? You got the big zero you don't like using words like this, but, you know, you, you kind of end up a loser. Um, not in the way we think of loser, but you lost the game. I had a buddy in college who really liked to eat. I mean, we all like to eat, but he really liked to eat. Um, his whole life revolved around food, it seemed. And so we used to joke that if he was ever on Let's Make a Deal, that we'd say, okay, you know, you've got the gift you have, but you can choose between these three doors you could have um, behind one door is a brand new car, the car of your dreams, right? Behind door number two is the woman of your dreams, just beautiful, everything you've ever wanted. And behind door number three is a sandwich. <laughs> I mean, it's a joke that you kind of sit there for a minute and ponder and say, well, what kind of sandwich is it? <laughs> Which I always thought was great. But we do this in life, don't we? We do this a lot of times in our relationship with God. And it starts at a very early age, third grade spelling test. Lord, please, 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 I know I didn't study. I know I don't deserve anything. But if you'll give me 100 on this test, then I won't cause trouble for my teacher and I'll obey my parents for two days. And as long as there are tests, there are prayer. There's prayer, right? Tests for our whole lives, it seems like. Oh, Lord, let Jane Doe go to the homecoming dance with me, please, and I will do whatever you want. I'll go to church for a year every Sunday. Kind of this quid pro quo. And it's not limited to what we do when we're children and our bartering and our bargaining with God. We do it as adults, too, don't we? Lord, if you'll help me quit drinking, then I'll go back to church. Lord, if you'll save my little girl who is sick, then you can have my life. 
And so many times these resolutions go unmet. And it will cause us to say in our minds, well, what good is God then? If I can't get God to do what I want God to do. If I can't get God's will and my will for what I want with my life to match up, then I'll just go it alone. And in many ways, this testing is calling on God to prove it. Well, prove you're merciful. Right? Prove your love. Prove you're divine. Prove you're all-powerful. Or else I won't believe it. If you don't do it, then I'm out. If you don't do it, then I'm going to think less of you as God. If you don't do it, then you're not worthy of my faith and my attention. And we might not say that out loud. But our actions show something very similar to that kind of thought. And we might be saying it in our hearts. Why doesn't God love me? Why doesn't God do what I want God to do? It's, a, it's an age-old problem of trying to corral the power of the divine into the way we want it to go. Because God's got to look just like the way I want God to look. And if it doesn't, then forget about it, right? And I think deep down, in many ways, we're afraid that we're going to get zonked. That we'll end up with nothing. We get so focused on the horizon and what we've asked for. We just don't want to go there because maybe there's nothing there for us. Or maybe we get so accustomed to the shallows that we just want to keep our turtle wax and forget about everything else. Because in preparing for this, I went back and watched a few episodes of the old Let's Make a Deal. And a woman literally got turtle wax. And they said, now you can, you can go off into the deep, right? You can try your luck at the three doors. And she said, no, I think I'll keep my turtle wax. So instead of risking for something greater, she kept the little that she had and stayed right there in the shallows. Today's gospel talks about this, I think. And I think in many ways it contains everything about human life. I mean, you've got day and night. You've got failure and success bitterness and blessing. Jesus, it's got it all, doesn't it? And at least from my perspective, it teaches me, and I hope that we can all see a common strain in that. You know, I'm always preaching to myself because it's something I'm struggling with. I just have to hope that it's kind of like Shrek and Donkey say, that, you know, when you peel back the onion, it's, we're all the same, so there's something common for all of us. But that if... I observe life and the daily rounds of life that I will recognize, that we will recognize that every single moment, every one is filled with a holy significance and a preparation for greatness. And I'm not talking about your personal greatness, that somehow you're going to be great. I'm talking about the greatness of the kingdom of heaven that is breaking out all around us. So where, where are we? We're at Lake Gennesaret, which is another way to say the Sea of Galilee. If you look at Gennesaret and you just start, your heart starts palpitating and you're a reader in church, just say the Sea of Galilee. That's easy, isn't it? So we're at the Sea of Galilee, and the apostles have been out there, the future disciples have been out there. Simon and his cohort have been 
fishing all night, professional fishermen. They've had nothing, no luck whatsoever. They come up with a big goose egg, zero, nothing. Turtle wax, loser. They don't even have turtle wax, right? And so Jesus comes up to them, and he gets in their boat. And this isn't what I'm going to preach about, but this is important to, to notice that he sits down and teaches them. I'm sure nobody was listening. Like, what is that guy doing? Sitting in the boat talking. You sat down as a, that was a sign of authority, that you had the authority to teach. That's what rabbis did, right? So when he sat down, he was saying something very important about himself. I have authority to teach, right? I'm sure some of them were like, what is he doing sitting down teaching like he's a rabbi? Like he has some kind of authority or something. So he sat down and he began to teach them. And then he said, Simon, who became Peter, Simon, cast out into the deep water. And that's important. Because the deep water in the middle of the day, number one, you're not going to catch anything, probably. Because the fish aren't up there, top of the water in the middle of the day. Best time is dusk and dawn, right? And that's when they were fishing. Cast out into the deep water. And the deep water in the Sea of Galilee wasn't always so safe. You know, have you ever been in Orlando and in the middle of the afternoon you just know it's going to rain? Well, on the Sea of Galilee, in the middle of the afternoon, on many afternoons, a storm would just pop up, right? It's just the way it sits, where it is in geography. And these weren't always just small storms. Sometimes they were major storms. So it was kind of dangerous to cast out into the deep in the middle of the day. And yet Peter doesn't say, why would we do that? Why should we do that? How about this? I'll make a deal with you. If you go at dusk tonight, I'll do something else for you. He says, if you say so, Lord. See, Peter obeyed the Lord. He wasn't just an advisor for his life when it was something he wanted to do or something that he thought would meet with success. He, he obeyed Jesus, which is sometimes something I have trouble doing. Jesus, you're my... You're my companion and my advisor as long as it looks the way I think it should look. Right? As long as I get to do kind of at the end of the day what I want to do, you can kind of put your stamp of approval on what I want. So they go out there and they have this miraculous catch of fish. I mean, it's a miracle. The boats were sinking. They had to call in another boat. It was amazing. And you can say whatever you want about the science. Well, at this time of day, at this you know, this, this is what happened, and this science explains this and that and the other thing. Whatever. It was a miracle, right? It was a miracle because they had nothing, and now they had everything. Whether God led them to that with a fisherman's eye or whether it came in a miraculous catch, it was abundance that was rained into their life, teeming with fish. And instead of saying, kind of like a three-year-old, oh, do it again, do it again. Peter wasn't focused on the fish. He was focused on another miracle. It was it that the Lord, the creator of all things, came to him, a simple fisherman, and filled his life with abundance, took him out into the deep water of danger, of the unknown, and gave him plenty. William Barclay says, that it teaches three things about us and about how we can see the miracles in our lives. It, Peter had eyes that see, eyes that will see in the midst of the ordinary, eyes that are open to look, a spirit that is willing to make the effort, that is going to go out there and dare to try. 
and a heart that will attempt what seems hopeless. You know, they say that the greatest separation from God, which is what I call sin, is hopelessness. Is knowing that there is a God, that God has created you, that knows every hair on your head, and you lose hope that God will meet you in tomorrow, that ultimately all things shall be well, because it is his promise to us. Hope that we will find God in the midst of our daily routine, even when that routine is dark or boring or ordinary. Are we always looking at our future and our own conditions or our past experience? God, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. Not seeing it breaking out all around us. Or are we afraid that we're going to get zonked? That we'll end up with nothing, so I'll just keep what I've got and stay right here in the shallows, God. Afraid to move out into the deep waters with the Lord that he's calling us to. And let me say this about the deep waters. Yeah, they're dangerous. And yeah, you're not worthy. But you're worthy through a God who loves you and created you and calls you. That's what qualifies you. That's what makes you worthy. That's what will be with you in the deep. And there are many people, if your life, and you'll see this in a lot of, I've heard this once, you'll see this in a lot of things. If you think that nearness to God is always um, sheep and pastures, and you see it on cards in stores, you know, nearer to thee, O Lord, and it's, um, you know, stained glass and like some praying hands and a ray of sunshine shooting through. If that defines your relationship with God, you're not listening. God is not always going to call you to the pasture. God is not always going to call you to wade idly in the shallows. There are many times where the God of all will call you into the deep water. And there are many of you that might say, oh, well, wait a minute, I've paid my dues. I'm retired. I can't, I've already done that. I can't do that. I've earned this place of leisure or luxury or whatever it is. Wrong. God is calling you today to something mighty. And it might not be safe. And it might not be what you think it should be. And it might have pain. And it might have sorrow in the midst of it. But God calls you and is there with you. It is the promise. It is our hope. It is our rock of salvation. I mean, it's like Moses who spent 40 years in the wilderness of Midian before he's called to do something mighty in his 60s. That's not the life he thought he was going to lead. And yet he went and he didn't realize that he didn't get to enter the promised land. But think of all of those who did because of his work. And the greatness of what he did. So what is causing you to phone it in today? Right? Because I love to phone it in. Ah, just phone it in. I can go back to watching the game. I can go back to doing what I want to do. What has you paralyzed? What has taken away your vision? What has you treading water in the shallows? And we all have something. Well, is it boredom? Is it failure? Is it fear? There is not a single person in this church who doesn't want to change the world. 
There is not a single person who doesn't want to do something good in the name of the divine one. And yet we become like the, the neighbor that we haven't seen for 10 years, but we know they live there, but then they never come out. They don't tread the deep waters. They don't tread water at all. It's like Boo Radley, right? And you, don't, you don't do anything of, worthy, of worth until you come up and rub against the world. And sometimes it's trauma. But you rub up against it and you move out. As Paul says in today's epistle, he was only anything due to something beyond himself, which was the grace of God. Moving beyond, following God into the deep waters. And those waves prepare us for greatness, not our personal greatness, but the greatness of the kingdom of heaven in a world that needs to see it and a world that needs to hear it from us and to see it live through our lives, through our failures, through perseverance. I know that my Redeemer lives. If you're uneasy, if you're challenged, if you're uncomfortable, that very well may be God calling you today. Consider this. Dismissed from drama school saying she was too shy to put her best foot forward. Lucille Ball. Turned down by the DECA recording company saying we do not like their sound and besides guitar music is on the way out. The Beatles. A failed soldier, farmer, and real estate agent. At 38 years old, he went to work with his father as a handyman. Ulysses S. Grant. Cut from the high school basketball team, he went home, locked himself in his room, and cried. Michael Jordan. A teacher told him he was too stupid to learn anything and that he should go into a field where he might succeed based on his pleasant personality. Thomas Edison. Fired from a newspaper because he lacked imagination and had no original ideas. Walt Disney, his fiancée, died. He failed in business twice. He lost political office eight times. Abraham Lincoln, if you have never been knocked about, if you have never failed, if you have never faced rough waters, then you have never lived. And life ain't over, folks. God is calling you and God is calling me, and we all have moments where our vision is clouded. Either we have, been, we have bargained with God and we've lost, or we think that we've lost, that somehow we didn't get what we wanted. Well, like Peter, we need to open our eyes to the holiness that is in every single moment, every single encounter, everything we do. Let us have hearts willing to make an effort hearts willing to brave the deep waters, to try the impossible. Let's make a deal. What do you say? Three doors. Choose one. Guess what? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what door you choose. Choose any of them. Because the Creator who made you, who loves you, and who will never ever forsake you, waits for you on the other side of whatever door you choose. He waits with you with open arms. He waits with you with love. He waits to gird you with strength 
He waits with eternal life and a patience and a peace that knows no end. He waits for you today, whatever your circumstance, wherever you are. 